Are you a real estate investor looking to elevate your income, freedom, and lifestyle? If so, optimize your daily performance by downloading our free guide, Raising the Bar, Five Steps to Elevate Your Habits at elevatepod.com. In this guide created by yours truly, you'll learn why you do what you do, how to easily institute cues in your environment to trigger desired behavior, directly applicable steps to create a fulfilling future, and much more. Get your free copy now at elevatepod.com and kickstart your new habits today. Your future self will thank you. Welcome to Elevate the masterclass where we dissect the elements of exceptional achievement and lifestyle design with a focus on personal growth and real estate investing. Now, here's your host, Tyler Chesser. Elevate Nation, welcome back. This is Tyler Chesser. I'm so thankful to have you here, and I am blessed and grateful to be sitting with the friendly, the accomplished, and the amazing Ken Silvestri today. Uh, If you are in real estate in and around Kentucky, you know about Ken Silvestri. Uh, If you're not, maybe you invest in Kentucky or in this region, uh, and you might know, uh, you may have heard of Ken Silvestri, and and today you're going to learn about his story. You're going to learn about his commitment uh, to excellence and personal development over the years. You're also going to learn about excellence in commercial real estate, how to slow down to speed up in terms of if you want to grow your portfolio, if you want to grow your cash flow, this episode is for you because you're going to learn about how to interact best with brokers, how to create trust, how to create long-term relationships with the most influential brokers in your market. So this is a super valuable episode. I hope you enjoy it. And I'm so excited to share this with you. Elevate podcast is all about mindset, mind expansion, and personal development for high-performing real estate investors. I'm your host, Tyler Chesser, and I'm a professional real estate investor and high-performance coach. It is my job to decode the stories, habits, and multifaceted expertise of world-class investors and other experts to help you elevate your performance and lifestyle. Are you ready to take it to another level? It is time. Let's raise the bar today. And we're going to do that. We are going to raise the bar. But I just want to thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for being here. Thank you so much for listening to Elevate Podcast. It means the world to me. It means the world to our team. We're going to continue to pour into you. I want to invite you to give us a rating, review, and subscribe or follow Elevate Podcast on wherever it is that you listen to podcasts or watch podcasts. Uh, That's very important to us and very important to you because we're going to continue to bring massive value. I also want to invite you to pay the fee. The fee is to pay it forward and share this episode with one person. If you've done that in the past, we just want to thank you so much because you are the part, you are part of the movement of Elevate Nation. And really, we are breaking records on a daily basis. This audience and this movement and this community is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. And that's all thanks to you. So I want to encourage you to pay the fee. And that's just to share this episode with one person. Just grab the link, send it in a text message, an email, call somebody, mention it in, uh, you know, your next meeting. Hey, you know, I've really been listening to this podcast and I I think you would really value this. Um, That is super important to us. And we just really deeply appreciate you so, so much. So with all that said, I want to dive in. I want to introduce you to Ken Silvestri, who has deep roots, deep roots in Lexington, Kentucky. As a youngster in the 1960s, he worked at his grandfather's fruit stand located in downtown. You're going to hear more about that in this episode. He is the owner and principal broker at Silvestri Real Estate. Ken began began his career in residential real estate in 1990. By 1994, he was recognized as one of the top producing agents in the United States at Remax International. You're also going to hear about how he did that and what that looked like. In 2000, he transitioned from apartment community. He transitioned to apartment community brokerage. 
I promise I will be able to spit it out today. Don't worry. Uh, it's a little bit of a struggle right now. And that is now his team's specialty, which is apartment community brokerage. Their tagline is single focus multifamily. The team has brokered over 8,000 apartment units in Lexington with a total lifetime sales near $1 billion. He and his wife, Tammy, of 37 years own apartments in Lexington and have their offices in Goodwin Square. Ken is a board member of the Fayette Alliance. Ken is also an avid hiker and photographer capturing landscapes from Patagonia to New Zealand. So without further ado, please enjoy this awesome conversation with Ken Silvestri. Ken Silvestri, finally, welcome to Elevate, my friend. How are you? Fantastic. Thank you for having me. How are you? I'm awesome, man. And uh, it was fun to spend time with you yesterday. It's been fun to really get to know you over the past few years. I was telling you yesterday that I've appreciated uh, the welcomeness that you've always had in open arms towards me since I got into the business. And I know you've done that for so many people, your energy and the way that you're genuine towards other people and your generosity and not only in sharing your wisdom, but also your care uh, and also seeing, you know, spotting talent, I think, and, and really uh, encouraging people to grow is is palpable so i just appreciate you ken man um but thank you so much again for being here uh i'm excited to introduce you to elevate nation what do you think about that i'm ready and uh thank you for the kind words because uh, you're an exceptional person and i'm honored to be on your podcast well thank you so much ken and and one of the things that i love to ask my guests um is to really describe themselves in the way that other people that know them best would describe them. And I think that this is a great way for folks to kind of get to know people a little bit deeper. But if I were to ask you that, Ken, what would you say about that? Yes. Yeah, so we were uh, on a walk uh, out in the cold and uh, I asked my wife who we've been together for 40 years now, married 37. And I said, Hey, there, you know, he's going to ask me this question. I said, so you know me better than anyone. So like, who am I? And she said, well, um, I would say you're a very generous and um, a courageous uh, pit bull. And uh, yeah, so uh, she says, because, you know, once you make up your mind to do something, she says, it is just all over. And she, uh, she'll often tell people, you know, when we'll go traveling, She'll say, I'm just hanging on for dear life. <laughs> God bless yeah. Tammy, right? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but uh, boy, uh, to to be uh, beautifully married and to have, uh, you know, to have that person that is uh, knows you better than anyone and still forgives you and is sort of that, you know, that authentic um, spouse is, is one of the greatest things. So, yeah, I am a pit bull. Uh, but uh, I'm also in, an Eagle Scout uh, at age 16, so I try to really live by the Scout laws. Uh, trustworthy, loyal, helpful, friendly, courteous, kind, obedient, cheerful, thrifty, brave, clean, and reverent. And so when you're an Eagle Scout, you just that's who you are every day. And the most important one of that, I think, is really being is really trustworthy. That's That's always been sort of the shining light that I just want to be trusted by people. And that means that I'm just always looking to do the right thing, even if it's not the best for, you know, making the sale, but just always the right thing. So that's, that's the best way I can sum up how my wife would see me. 
I think it's really cool. And you think about somebody that's known you deeply for 40 years and describing you in that capacity, which is a pretty dynamic way to describe somebody. And I think about that generous and courageous pit bull. I would actually be curious. I mean, if you were to go deeper, like what, what exactly is a pit bull and why is that a part of how you would be described? Well, so it's interesting that when you're, uh, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, that you sort of have to sell yourself first, right? So I'll come up with this idea that, you know, like I'm going to stretch here just a little bit and say, uh, you know, I'm going to call 10 people today that all uh, own 200 apartments or more. And, and I'm not really going to uh, try to sell them anything. I just want to get them on the phone, say hello. Uh, and, you know, I, I'll sort of talk myself into just like, this is the most important thing I've got to do. So, you know, sort of that damn the torpedoes kind of thing where you say, look, do, you know, just please don't get in my way. Do, do not jump in front of this train because I'm going to get these people on the phone. So I've been known to like, you know, shut the door and, you know, just really get, you know, zeroed in and, uh, you know, sort of strong arm, like, okay, look, I've, I've got to make these calls today. So, and it's that way with an idea. If I get this idea that we're going to, go do this or do that. Uh, it's really hard to talk me out of it after I've made up my mind. So just total pit bull. <laughs> I like that. I, it, it's just like single focus. Like when you have an idea, you're going after it with all the vigor, uh, all the, you know, all the energy. So I love that. But Ken, I, yeah. you know, I've known you for years now and, and I, yesterday you and I spent some time and kind of preparing for the episode. And, and I appreciated that. That just also kind of exhilarates me, but it also exhibits a little bit more of that pit bull mentality that you have. It's like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this in the best way possible. And I just really appreciate that. But share with Elevate Nation a little bit about your upbringing, your backstory, so they can get more of a, a background of who you really are. Yeah. So uh, youngest of seven and uh, grew up on a pretty busy street. So it was a great street to have my uh, first lemonade stand, Kool-Aid stand. And yeah, that's just one of those things. I still remember some kid driving down the sidewalk, you know, on his bike. And I sort of like jumped in front of him and stopped him and said, hey, you know, uh, Kool-Aid, you know, or lemonade, whatever I was selling at the time. And uh, and I sold him 25 cents worth of Kool-Aid, which made my profit for the, you know, all my investment that I had, you know, at age nine or eight or seven or whatever that is. Uh, so then I was fortunate that I had that one super friend growing up with and his mom was a psychologist in oh my goodness she was so important in our life that she had us she was paying us to uh pick you know dandelions for a penny a piece and next thing you know we're shoveling snow mowing grass and then we started selling newspaper subscriptions and tyler i i think i told you this maybe i think i might have been making more money than my parents when i was 12 or 13 because I was just breaking, I mean, we were just knocking on doors and it was just so fun to have that, that financial freedom as a, as a kid. And I mean, I was, you know, you're buying your own bicycles, you're buying your own clothes because, you know, my parents were, you know, just middle age, mid, mid, middle income people. Um, my mom was working three jobs. And so, uh, so then about age 20, uh, we drove out to California and and we were there at the right time and got into the cable TV business. So uh, again, I was knocking on doors, and I think that that 
knocking on doors is probably the most important thing that has set me up for being invulnerable to rejection. And when you're invulnerable to rejection, then you can ask anybody for anything because you're just not afraid of no. Uh, you're really just uh, enjoying the process of learning. Like if they say no, it's not really no, it's just not now. And so when I, you know, so not now is 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 what we do in our real estate business because we, we call a thousand people and say, would you like to sell your apartments? They might say no, but all I hear is not now. So uh, and and then every time that I call them, I'm getting a little bit closer to yes because it's you know they all they said to me was not now. Uh, might be that their loan is not ready. It might be anything, but so every day. Uh, I see everything as just one big, um, you know, it's a it's a minute by minute of wins because I never really have a rejection. Uh, I'm rejection proof. I just always see I'm learning from people uh, and, you know, then I make notes and and I'm enjoying people, you know. And so that's that's where we do what we do every day now. When you keep this positive attitude about you, no matter what, which I think is a clue for folks and, you know, you're, you're adding value to others. You're inquiring about, you know, possibilities of sales and transactions, and you're only hearing not right now. And that gives you the ability to proceed, you know, to the next call, to the next relationship and to the next interaction. And you've done that for years and years and decades and decades. But yes. I'm actually curious. I mean, like if you were to go back, like in thinking of like the, the lemonade stand and newspaper sales, knocking on doors. I mean, do you think you are a born salesperson, a born salesman, or do you think it was the repetition that created that? I'm just curious. Yeah, that's a great question, Tyler. So, you know, if, if I hadn't met my friend Chuck, um, then I probably wouldn't have gotten outside of this, you know, this family that was, you know, all you know when you're eight years old. And so I think that meeting up with someone where, you know, like the iron sharpens iron and you're, you're competitive, but you're competitive with this person that is making you better, just like a spouse makes you better and they, they uphold you to this, you know, this, you can do it kind of person, you know? So I think that I knew uh, that sales was uh, sort of like an easy, uh, I was gifted for that. And then I think also that maybe just for that, my father being a very gregarious person, uh, he was one of the most lovable people. Uh, you know, he only made it to eighth grade, but he was a, so I'm really the son of a fruit salesman. And I grew up with my grandfather, uh, and my grandfather, um, well, when I say I grew up, I grew up working at my grandfather's fruit stand. And it was 1969. I have a picture of me and my granddad. And uh, he told me two things that I remember. He said, one, he said, Kenny, he says, in your life, you know, he said, if you can really, really trust five people, just one handful, he said, I mean, people that you can trust with your life, he said, you're a very, very blessed person. And then he said, the second thing is, you're going to be a great salesman someday. And here that was 1969. I was eight years old. And, and it just pierced me like, oh, because we had, we had these, he sold, we sold, uh, we sold fruits and apples and oranges, but we also had this flower stand and I love flowers. So 
you know, the ladies would come in, I would tell them about these caladiums and how to plant them. And I just sold the heck out of these plants at eight years old. And I think that's where he was like, dang, this kid is like, he's just selling, he's selling these plants like, you know, nobody's business. And he said, you're going to be a great salesman someday. And I just always appreciate that my grandfather told me that. Man, we always we need people to encourage us uh, at some point in our path and in our life. And it's amazing what that has blossomed into, not only in your career, but for so many of the people that you've impacted throughout your career. So that's an amazing reminder for all of us to, you know, if you see something, if you see talent in someone else, call it out, share that with them. Absolutely. I think it's so powerful. Um, yeah. I actually was curious also about the early drive. You mentioned, you know, financial freedom was invigorating for you as a young person. Uh, knocking on doors and learning that craft and growing. But was that what was actually driving you to experience more of that growth? Was it the financial freedom aspect or were you just swept up in the activity? I mean, I'm just curious. So being the youngest of seven, uh, I, my brothers would buy books, but never read them. They would, uh, they would buy boxes full of stuff, but never sell them. Right. So, but in my very oldest brother, uh, bless his heart, he would, he, he was the guy that was sort of really maybe like uh, the book buyer. And, uh, and so I would find his books sitting around that, you know, that, you know, were all sorts of like how to, you know, what, well, okay, well, think and grow rich. So he's, he leaves a copy of that sitting around and I was like, Hey, this is a pretty good title. <laughs> What's this all about? You know? So, uh, so I picked up the book and read it at a very young age and the only analogy I can give you for that, Tyler, it's sort of like when you're, you know, when you're a 10 year old kid, if you think about this as metaphorically to a 1000 square foot house that you are, you know, as a young kid, when you finish thinking grow rich, you all of a sudden your foundation is that of a, a 10,000 square foot house. And it just, it's a, it's a 10 X on your brain. And you think, oh gosh, I mean, I didn't know what I didn't know. And so, uh, and then you just sort of continue to build from that. Uh, then the second book was Succeed and Grow Rich Through Persuasion, which was also by Napoleon Hill. And that's the second book that I read that just blew my mind. And so from there, I realized that this was like a blueprint for, you know, just being a little more exceptional person. And it just sort of gave you this like, okay, I, I, I don't know what's going on here, but I think this is fun. I believe this. And it sort of takes you down that road that maybe other people just didn't read that book, right? So it changes your mind. So that, that was a real early part was reading the right book and having the right friend. And yeah, the right grandfather. Like, <laughs> yeah. So get encouraged. You know, someone yes, spots yes. a little bit of talent, a little bit of natural ability that then you can build on. And then the seeds of unlimited abundance and infinite intelligence were then planted within you through these amazing books. And, you know, right. if anybody's listening who hasn't read Think and Grow Rich as an example, please pick it up immediately yeah. and read that book. And I know for myself, and I don't know how the experience was for you at 10 years old, but I read it probably when I was 23 years old the first time. And I'll tell you, my yeah. eyes were crossed. I mean, I was like, what, what is yeah. he talking about? Yeah. You know, was it, it like it, that for you? Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's, you're a different person when you finish that book, you, you just are. And so I think once you finish it, you almost have to read it a second time 
because you go if you go from just the 10,000 square foot foundation of a house to thinking okay you know I, I want a grant I want granite countertops too you know <laughs> you know I like that imagery you know if you think yeah, about it yeah, it's, yeah. it's an expansion right because right. there's no limit to what we can do but we can continue to expand in fact I was just having a conversation right before this Ken and I believe that abundance is our birthright and it is about uncovering the opportunity to expand. And it starts with our mind. So that's why I love these conversations. And when I think about your story, it's this continued progression, right? It's this continued progression of not only expanding your skills, expanding your mindset, your beliefs, but it's expanding into different realms of, you know, the way that you're adding value and you eventually got into real estate. So talk to me a little bit about that. When did you first get into real estate and give us a sense of your trajectory there? Yeah. So uh, let me think about how this all played out. So I was in California and uh, my, I realized my parents were getting older uh, and I needed to come back to Kentucky. So we drove back and that was like 86, 1986. How long were you in California? Uh, 1981 to 1986. Okay. Yeah. Southern California? or Southern California. Yeah. They had just, you know, they, we were in the cable TV business. I was knocking on doors and, uh, and it was time to come back. So we drove back to Lexington and uh, I actually went to get a job in the back in the cable business. And it really didn't work out as far as the way I didn't like the way their pay structure was set up. Ended up getting a job in, in cellular telephones. They had just set up cellular telephones. So my timing was good for that. And, um, and the program they had was that uh, people who were either builders or realtors got a special rate. So I thought, well, I'm going to go for the low-hanging fruit here. And so I went out and I just went to all the construction sites. I went to all the real estate offices and, and it was instantly became the top salesman just because I was going for the easiest way to go. But what was, what was happening there is I was falling in love with builders. I just thought it was the coolest thing. You know, I'd drive through all these new neighborhoods, see the big shiny red trucks and, you know, I'd go in and smell the sawdust and, you know, find, you know, find the guy wearing boots and, uh, you know, and I would hand him my phone and say, hey, here, check this out. And then I'd say, how would you like to be in control when you're driving around all your construction sites? And he was like, hey, this is cool. And, you know, so I'd let him maybe borrow mine for a day or because when they give us one to do that. And, you know, he'd be calling his wife and he was all cool talking to the <laughs> subcontractors. So, so, so that, that was sort of what happened. Then while I was doing uh, that job, uh, I went back and, uh, well, what actually happened was that I got a job back in the cable TV business again. And that, you know, because the, the pay structure turned out to be really good. So I had, uh, what happened was I was doing that. And then one day the cable manager says, Hey, uh, there's a, you know, there's a, there's a change going on. And now after you sell the cable service, you have to do the installation. And I was like, shh, 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 listen, listen, everybody. And there was like a room sales, sales meeting. I said, and I got out a pen and I clicked the pen. Listen to this, click, 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 click. And I said, everybody, I said, this is the only tool I know how to use. I said, you have my notice right now. I'm not doing installations. That day I went and got a real, I signed up for real estate school and I bought a BMW 7 Series because I knew I had to have a cool car. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Yeah. And so that was 1990. And I started selling residential real estate. 
How cool is that? So, so let me just tell you this. Uh, I think you and I both know how to use the same tool and that's about it. That is about as handy as I am. My wife laughs at me. She makes fun of me. I mean, I can barely change a light bulb, but you know, we can still do great things in real estate and it really comes down to who, not how there's many people that can help us with that. And we can outsource, uh, to people who know how to use more tools than us. But so that's so interesting. And I love that trajectory and there's gifts in that challenge. I'm sure at that time it didn't feel Feel like a gift, but then you transitioned and you got into residential real estate. So you got your license, you started to sell houses. So tell me about that. Yeah. So, um, so like everyone, you know, you're like, okay, what's going on here? Uh, what am I supposed to do? And I remember getting, uh, you know, uh, getting my first listing, you know, getting that one sold. And then I had read about this, uh, this business coach who said, Here's the secret to getting, uh, you know, to blossoming the real estate business. He said, get a sale, tell everyone what you did, and then get more business because of it. He said, that's your perfect marketing plan, which is a lot of people do that. Uh, But so we actually went to his seminar out in California, and it was about 2,000 of the top real estate people. And this guy was the trainer. So came back to Kentucky in 19, this was really been 1991. And I I really realized that the secret was controlling all the listings. And so one of the things that one of the people were doing that uh, taught me this was like, think of Larry King live. Okay. So what's Larry King do? He has all these people calling in and or people that are even calling out. I don't know how it all goes, but he he sits there and he just punches the, the lit button. You know, this is, hey, this is Larry. Hey, this is Larry. Hey, this is Larry. So what I realized is that for me to get more sales, that it would be better to not hear the phone ring, but to hire someone to make calls for me. And then and then they would get someone on the phone and they would say, hey, uh, Ken Silvestri would like to speak with you. And do you have just a second, please? And they would say, well, sure. Uh, and they didn't even know who I was. But like, uh, so I would get on the phone and say, hey, this is Ken, you know, I just sold your neighbor's home and just wanted to check and see, you know, when did you plan on moving? And hey, how long have you lived at that house? And like, if you were to move, where would you go next? And, you know, so we had this little script that we would do. And guess what? We had people actually coming into our office. We would get the listing paperwork signed. I never even saw the house. And then, so uh, that was then by 1995, I had my best year. I sold 342 homes doing that and was number three in the entire United States with Remax. And, and all I did was that one thing. I just stuck to my script. I had a, an entire team. They would go put the signs out. Uh, they would go take all the photos. They did everything. And all I had to do was just stay on, in my lane and get the people to come into the office. And uh, <laughs> so, you know, so that was it. Uh, and then, but that same kind of idea, um, I haven't fully brought that into, you know, apartment sales, but in some ways we still have that machine going. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. And I, and I think about the team, you know, obviously the team was facilitating conversations for you. The team was then helping you evaluate. I would imagine evaluate market value, uh, right. set you up for success from the marketing perspective, but your role was to build that rapport and get yeah. the listing, correct? And, and right. get it done. That's right. Yeah. And, uh, and I had five people on the team 
and they literally did everything else. Uh, plus, I had two people that just made phone calls for me. They were just call, 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 call. And plus, I was making calls. So it just multiplied it. You know, that sort of that 10x idea that uh, if you stay, if you, and you've heard this, if you'll just, if you'll be the best at one thing, you can forget your financial worries, right? And that's what, that's what I just decided. I was going to just be the best at that one thing. Uh, so it worked. So tell me about the progression from there. Uh, how many years were you involved as a residential agent? And then when did you make the, the leap to commercial real estate? Yeah, so uh, 1990 through 1998 was uh, was residential. It was actually August of 98 that uh, I decided, okay, I'm going to go do something different. And I actually got recruited by a fella that uh, wanted me to uh, really lease and sell office buildings. Uh, he was just a guy that I went to church with. And, you know, I was just sort of ready to move on to the next thing. And so, uh, so I actually did that for about a year. Uh, just that. And then uh, it was interesting that it was 19. Oh, yeah. And then one of the one of the clients that we that we worked with uh, that we sold an office building to, they installed this wall. It was a movable wall. So, you, you know, you construct a 40,000 square foot building and the walls are not actually fixed. They were actually on like a, uh, they were they moved around so you could take it down and move it. And the company that did that, that made these, were, was in Canada. And so there was a situation where all of a sudden they said, hey, uh, we would like you to come to work for our company. And so I actually went to work for a Canadian company for a year, which was sort of a, uh, a lot of fun. Uh, then here we were, was that September 2011? Was that when the, the, the buildings came down in New York City? Uh, 2001, man. 2001. Yes, 2001. Thank you. So I was actually working from home and watching that on TV. And I thought, hmm, you know, I don't think I want to get an airplane for a while. So I called them up and said, guys, I'm, you know, I'm not going to be working for your, your company anymore. So I just re-energized my real estate, went back to real estate again after sort of taking that break. And that's when I uh, went back to just doing 100% commercial real estate. And I didn't know a thing about apartments. I really didn't. Uh, my very first listing, Tyler, was some guy that owned about 140 units uh, in Georgetown, Kentucky. And so I went and met with him and, you know, he was like, you know, well, okay, well, you seem like a good salesperson. What would you charge me to, you know, sell my building here, to sell these apartments? And I said, well, you know, our standard rate is 6%. And, he, and I mean, he just laughed and said, okay, look, give me another couple of minutes. I need to laugh about this. Because I just thought that the, you know, that the commission for a house was the same as, you know, $15 million for the apartments. Uh, so, so, so we got a good laugh on that. Uh, but then, uh, well, thankfully he laughed at you and didn't tell you to, you know, take a hike. Well, yeah. So, so, uh, actually I did not get that listing, uh, but, but oh, okay, I, there you go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I learned a little bit and then I actually hired a couple of people, uh, to help me with, you know, the campaign, uh, and went through a couple different assistants, but the, and then now, uh, what happened is I sold, I had a listing and a young fella showed up to buy one of my listings uh, who was working for MAA, Brandon Cutright. And so Brandon, uh, him and his father-in-law said, hey, let's buy some apartments. I had this listing. He shows up uh, to buy one of my buildings. at this, And simultaneously, my number one assistant quit. So I ran some sort of an ad in, on 
I think, uh, LinkedIn. And Brandon calls me up and says, hey, remember me? I'm the guy that just, you know, uh, put your, your apartments under contract. He's, he said, I'd be very interested in working with you and for you. And, and I just had that immediate, like, this is the guy. I mean, you know, he's had the financial background. And so immediately it was like, yes. And so that was, that was a little over six years ago. And that has made the biggest difference in our business uh, is that he is a numbers guru. And uh, that's not necessarily been my forte is to run Excel spreadsheets. Brandon lives in his head with Excel, spread, Excel spreadsheets. And that's the reason that we've sold over 7,000 apartments uh, just since Brandon has been with me is that he was that one right hire and an exceptional human being. Yeah, no, I, I've totally attested to that. And big shout out to Brandon. Uh, he is an amazing person. You've got a great team. And that's that's almost the, the key, in, in my opinion, in many ways to your success is surrounding yourself with people who can support you, right? And, and allow that's you right. to be the best at one thing. Would you agree? That's right. That's right. Uh, and then our next hire was Robert Jones. And Robert also worked with Brandon at MAA, which is you know, one of the largest REITs in the world. And, uh, and Robert brings a special talent of organization. And I describe him as our GPS. So he has brought in all of these new tools. And so it's nice to know that we actually have the same platform as the biggest companies in the world uh, that are, you know, I mean, name any big, you know, uh, top 10 uh, apartment brokerage firm. Well, we have the same tools now that they do. And that's been really great to have all these, you know, exceptional tools so that when we do have a, a call for offers, our e-blast goes out to the same 10,000 people. And we didn't have that before Robert came on board. Frankly, I didn't even know where that list came from, but like, thank God we, we have that now. Uh, so, but, you know, actually I'll tell you another thing that's important is that we have watched your career, Tyler. And I want to say this is that we have put several, many deals in front of you guys and because it wasn't the right deal, because you have integrity and you're not just trying to just get another sale so you can bring in some other people's money, you guys have been really great at being uh, diligent about the you know, due diligence. And, and I want to say I'm personally interested in, uh, in bringing my money, my personal money into your funds because now I see how you guys operate. And I want to say I really appreciate your integrity, and uh, and you are also very pleasantly persistent, which is so nice that you just have these warm calls that come into our office and just saying hello. And I'm telling you, you guys are just beautiful people, and uh, and I think you're exceptional operators. So uh, I feel good. Yeah, I feel good for anybody who's investing with you. Hey guys, just a quick word from our sponsor, then we'll be right back to the show. This episode of Elevate is brought to you by CF Capital, a national real estate investment firm founded by myself and my business partner, Brian Flaherty. CF Capital's mission is to provide property investment and asset management solutions to help investors like you maximize their returns by investing in high value multifamily communities. If you are looking for risk adjusted alternative investments in quality apartment communities, are seeking tax optimized cash flow with appreciation upside without all the hassles of management, 
engagement, you might benefit from learning more about investing alongside our team. You're invited to reach out and learn more about how you can invest with us by visiting cfcapllc.com. We're also currently offering a free ebook called The Bottom Line, 10 Ways to Increase Cash Flow in an Apartment Complex. Whether you're a new or experienced investor, we're confident you'll find massive value in this resource. So go get your free copy today at cfcapllc.com. And now please enjoy the rest of the show. Thank you. Well, we appreciate that. And, you know, it's uh, it's not always easy to say no, but sometimes we have to say no because, you know, uh, another opportunity is going to create a better opportunity for everyone involved. In fact, you know, many of the best deals we've ever done are the ones that we haven't done. So uh, appreciate that very much. But I was going to tell you that, you know, I think it's a great and massive accomplishment what you guys have been able to do in terms of being a boutique brokerage to be able to compete in this world, because, you know, almost it seems it's more and more challenging for boutique boutique brokerages to compete in the multifamily space because it's become so institutionalized. But I'd love to look back when you think about your success in multifamily, you mentioned, you know, brokering, what is 8,000 units over the past handful of years. And you think about the history of where it's been, where it's going, where it is now, the industry has changed so much. I mean, when you got into real estate and you were doing single family residential brokerage and selling hundreds of homes per year, obviously multifamily was like, man, it was, couldn't have been more obscure at that point in time. That's right. Now it's become so institutionalized. Could you talk a little bit about where you've seen it come from, where you see it now, where you see multifamily as an asset class going? Good question. So, you know, I'm going to go back to one of my first really big sales in Lexington, uh, which was there was a um, family who built about 300 apartments uh, back in the 70s. And so because they also sold and built homes, they knew of me. And uh, when when I called on them one time, they said, well, you know, we're we're not really interested in selling. But, you know, hey, you know, for the right price, everything's for sale, right? And I was like, okay, good answer. I like that. Uh, so uh, so I, I said, if you don't mind, let me at least just come over and bring you some information. And I wanted to get eyeball to eyeball with the decision maker. And I think we, I just delivered basically like a little market study to him, but I wanted to do it in person. And I, you know, I hadn't seen him in a while. Uh, so, and I said, now, so, your property, the, you know, the one over here, it was actually called Turflin Mall Apartments at the time. And I said, um, like, you know, what number would you have to have to, you know, make that uh, a no brainer where you would say, okay, for that number, yeah, I'd sell it. And uh, they said, well, you know, we just got an appraisal on it just for, I don't know, whatever reason, maybe the bank uh, did it for $10 million. And I was like, okay, so if I brought you an offer for, 10 and a half or 11, where you felt like, oh, that's, that's really great. I said, then would you, would you be open, you know, to selling it if we got you, you know, a really great number like that? They said, you know what, you bring us an offer for 11 million. Uh, we'd have to take a serious look at that. <laughs> and I was like, okay, <laughs> the door just opened here. So uh, it just so happened that we had a call from a syndication company, just like yours, didn't know them, but I just felt good about them. Uh, they, you know, we had talked with other syndicators, but these guys weren't just, they had just not gotten out of, out of the seminar, if you will, and were, uh, you know, trying to 
make a few calls and they were going to go raise the money after they you know did it. So, but they actually had a track record and you know, so I I felt good about it. Uh, so I said, okay. And so what I did is I asked the guy, the, the my contact, I said, you write me an offer for $11 million. I said, and just trust me that you're going to be blown away when you see this property because it's still got shag carpet. I swear to you, it's got shag carpet and it's in a great location. And I said, I said, this is going to be like just the deal you're looking for if you're looking for value add, which is what they wanted. And he said, okay, okay. You know, he just trusted me. And he said, I'll write the offer for 11 million. He did. Uh, so I delivered the offer. And of course, you know, uh, they said, we're just going to say yes. <laughs> you know, so we got the offer. Uh, we got the offer accepted, closed it on time. And, and when they did their walkthrough, they, you know, they didn't like look at like, ah, oh, this has got to be fixed. Oh, you know, here's another way we're going to retrade. No, they were looking at like, okay, this is, this is shag carpet. This is great. We're going to change it anyway. Uh, this is, this, these are the ugliest cabinets. They, they didn't say this, but they were thinking to themselves, you know, we're going to put in new cabinets anyway. So when they were going through, they were, they were looking at it as like, hey, this is all good. This is all fine. And it was like, no retrade, and it was just boom, boom, boom. Uh, so we closed on that. When we closed, I asked the guy, I said, so like, am I allowed to, you know, invest in this with you? And he said, yeah. So that's when I put in my first 50K on that. That was like seven years ago. And, you know, they put about 30,000 a unit into this property because it needed every penny of it. But then they refinanced it for, okay, they paid 35 a door, they put about 30 in it, and then they refinanced it for 105. So all of a sudden I got all my money back, which is great. And so I really learned so much by being not only, you know, an investor in the deal, because then it was my own real money into the deal. And so, uh, so I think that's, that, that was very helpful back then because I really needed to understand the expenses really to the dollar. And I really wanted to understand like, what is, what are they doing with this value add? Uh, so, you know, and they, they did all these things, like there was a boiler chiller and we came to the conclusion that getting rid of that was important because the next person you want to sell it to does not want a boiler chiller. They want, you know, institutional heating and air. So each person is paying. So, yeah. So I learned a lot by, not only brokering the deal, but watching everything they did and also being an investor in it. And so now I think I'm in like a dozen uh, LP positions and I, and I learned something every time I invest in one. And uh, so, and also it, 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 it's good that I'm not really like competing, but I just like to invest alongside people that I trust like you. And uh, yeah. I always, I agree. I, I always suggest for folks who want to learn more, not only to listen to podcasts like this or read books or go out there and underwrite deals, but put your money where your mouth is. You know, that's the best way to learn is to, you know, put a little capital at risk and really see what happens. Um, you know, obviously make the right investments and surround yourself with mentors and coaches yeah. and so forth. But as you grow, you need to continue to invest in your mindset and expanding your mind and learning and studying. 
what's going on in the marketplace, what's going on in the economy, how are things changing, how are things evolving? So I think that that comes with repetition. And obviously yourself brokering so many deals, investing in deals alongside those deals and, and really seeing inside and out like from full spectrum from not only the sale, but the reposition, the refinance, the exit and so forth is right. so valuable. But how have things changed some from when you entered the multifamily business to now? And how do you think things are changing and do you have any projections and so forth? So. I think we can both agree that the market has been quite exuberant. And so, uh, yeah, no, so uh, uh, you'll laugh at this. I actually had a website that was, you know, three W's dot Ken, uh, eight cap Ken. Yeah, it was eight cap Ken.com. And that's how far back, I mean, so today, I mean, we both know that, you know, uh, sub five cap, you know, even in the four and a half cap is probably sort of a little bit more normal. Uh, so, so what has probably happened is that we've been more involved in the in doing the BOVs, the broker opinion of values, and uh, and so what happens is that we tend to just like to tell the truth. Uh, so we will say, well, here's what we think really the price will be. Uh, you know, here's the low, here's the middle, here's the high, and and we have been out BOV'd by. Plenty of people who come in and say, oh, no, we can get you $2 million more. And then guess what? They don't. Uh, so we lost that listing because someone said, oh, we can get you the moon and the stars and the universe above and all that kind of thing. <laughs> and, and, and we just, you know, we were just like, I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, and, and multiple times now, you know, uh, we have seen where it actually did trade and they actually were right where Brandon said the, uh, you know, the, the value is going to be. So what we've learned is probably we have to say, OK, we could be wrong. Uh, it's it's possible that it could go higher. But, you know, we've said, here's where we think the value will come in at, you know, with 10 offers, 15 offers, whatever it might be. Uh, and but it's possible that we could get now. What's happened is that we have been wrong a couple of times and we have actually had 104 and 105% of our high BOV. And, and that's great, you know, that's great you know, because what's wrong with exceeding expectations? Uh, but yeah, but, um, but we just don't want to be that broker that's uh, gonna say, oh, we're gonna get you, you know, uh, you know, a, a three X return uh, in some short amount of time. It just, we would just rather not be that broker and just, you know, cause with that, you know, that saying that uh, if you, if you have, if you, if you tell the truth, you don't have to have a good memory. Uh, yeah. And so our, our BOV really does tell the truth. And, you know, so occasionally we've gone back to that seller and said, hey, remember we told you about that one and remember it came in there. So, hey, on this next property, would you allow us to tell you the truth and maybe trust us a little bit? And and that's actually been really good because, you know, they're like, OK, you told me the truth. You guys really are the Boy Scouts. And uh, and so that's that's where I think, you know, we, we hope things were, are going to be going. Now, I'll say another thing that we're seeing more preemptive. Uh, offers right now than ever before, where I think people are seeing that the interest rates are going to be going up a little bit. And they think, boy, we, we need to transact now 
uh, because the higher the rates go, then, you know, then the higher the cap rate's going to go too. Are you seeing sellers being willing to do more preemptive transactions as well? Absolutely. So uh, I was on a conversation yesterday with a really big firm. They, um, they said, as long as, you know, they said, we all know what's, what's going on with the market is, you know, the, the offers are escalating to the moon, but as long as we're pretty close between our mid and our high BOV, they, they have a fiduciary responsibility also to their investors. So, you know, so what, we would suggest is like, you know, if the seller says, you know, okay, get three BOVs and okay, tell us where you need to be. Like, what's that high whisper number? And and then if we can get an offer that's hitting that high whisper number, if you will, then we're seeing that they're saying, okay, uh, bring it on. And so uh, that's, that's, you know, that, but when we do this, boy, oh boy, do we need the right buyer because we only have that one arrow in the quiver and we better bring it in with solid, solid buyer that's, you know, that's, and that's why we like the value add buyer quite often is that they're looking like, hey, look, I don't care about the carpet. I don't care about this anyway. We're going in we're going to, you know, we're going to do our thing. So, yeah. So I think that's going to be happening this year. A lot. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how things continue to unfold. I mean, obviously, we're in uncharted waters in terms of where we're at in the economy, uh, in terms of the Fed's intervention and what may happen with interest rates. Who knows? It's a very, very interesting point in time. Uh, but it all is something that we all need to continue to keep our finger on the pulse for. And when I think about you, Ken, I mean, obviously, you've been involved in hundreds of transactions with hundreds of different investors, some that I would imagine have impressed you beyond belief, others maybe you know, on the other end of the spectrum, but I'd actually be curious, you know, when I think about the the mantra or the philosophy of success leaves clues, I also think about how it's typically a pattern of success. And that's one of the reasons why I love doing the podcast is because I observe patterns and I think the listeners can glean and see those patterns. But when you think of the most successful investors that you've had the pleasure of advising or counseling or working with, what would you say? I mean, are there any patterns that really come to mind in terms of those who have created long-term success as real estate investors? Yeah, I love that question. Um, I would say that, um, for the person that is in your situation uh, with CF Capital, that you're, you know, just wanting to do the best for your, you know, your investors. Uh, so you are a fiduciary, and you know you have this responsibility. So when you know when it, you're dealing with a broker that has, like, you know, think about this. We've been doing this since 1990 in real estate, and uh, and really apartments. Gosh, uh, probably really since 2004. Uh, so we have a really, really big Rolodex. And so what happens is that, you know, you as a broker, we look, we have to say, look, we only have this one opportunity to maybe bring this right buyer in and we'll, we will crash and burn if, you know, if we pick the wrong buyer. So vetting out the buyer that we think has. Uh, and, and it's not always the one with just necessarily the most experience. Uh, it, it could be that you only have three properties, but we believe that you are organized. We believe you have your financing ready to go. We believe you have your investors ready to go. And we, we really believe that that person is, uh, is true to wanting to close that transaction with us. 
So, uh, and it's, you know, and, and sometimes we've said, hey, look, this isn't the highest offer, okay? But I'm not sure if we trust that high offer because there could be a retrade. And so what we're seeing is that sometimes maybe some, some hard money on a purchase and sale agreement is, uh, is another factor that's changing the game a little bit right now. Now, we're seeing that also we're giving early access to the apartments so that the buyer can go check it out, make sure the seller is not a liar, and that the property <laughs> really is in good shape. And uh, see all the units walk in and walk in with your construction team and say, okay, we know what's going on here. We've got our, our money ready to go. And um, so showing up, uh, showing up with the right story, uh, proving that you've got, I think the, the money and the, the, the game plan that, that we are going to close this deal. And then we're gonna close another one with you. Uh, and, and then they also say, look, Ken, uh, Brandon, Robert, uh, not only are we gonna close the deal with you, but you're gonna sell it for us when we're done. And, and that's, that's sort of another thing that like, okay, you know, so we're, we're brokers, you know, forgive us, but we, but we would like to get that transaction back when we, especially if we do an off market deal and we have the, the key to Alibaba's cave of gold and we can say, okay, this, you know, this 75 year old seller just called me up or owner. And he said, I want to sell the property. I'm open to an off market deal. I'm open to a preemptive. And you know, so we're like, huh? Okay, uh, who do we take this? Who do we take this key of uh, you know cave of gold to? And that often is the person that we trust. And uh, so, staying in touch with those syndicators like yourself, that we really just feel like you're absolutely going to be uh, a partner with us on on this transaction. And we have that this one deal we're going to do. And boy, we better get it closed. And then they 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 return emails very quickly. They return phone calls very quickly. They're just good at the transaction. It's good business people. Uh, so there's just it's it's that person that you. I mean, like if you went to a restaurant and you sat down and you had no service for an hour, you think, what is going on here? I'm never coming back to this place, right? So yeah. So if you know, it's it's just like that with a transaction. If we send out something that says, hey, we need to get an update on, you know, where are you under financing? We don't hear from them for three days. Not good. <laughs> you know, that's that's three days of cold coffee and you're sitting there at the restaurant, right? Uh, so, yeah, so just, just you know, be a professional if you're a, uh, an apartment buyer and uh, and be loyal to the broker that brought it to you. Man, I tell you what, you just described how the game is played. This is how the game is played. And obviously there's some nuances that change depending on what type of, you know, what type of market we're in. And you're talking about hard money, early access agreements, um, accelerating timelines so that you can trust and verify that the information that's provided to you is in fact what you are being, you know, you, you are engaging in, in terms of the acquisition. And so I think that that's super valuable, but then it's about, Hey, understanding that this is a relationship and okay. do I trust you? Are you yeah. able to do what you say you're going to do? Are you going to close the transaction and are you going to be loyal to yeah. me and, and, and your, your team as brokers? So I think investors need to really, really listen to that and really understand that this is how the game is played. And really your team can, I mean, you guys, you guys hold the keys to much of what investors are looking 
looking for. And so it comes down to how are you investing in that relationship? When I think about you, Ken, you know, some of the things that you've done over the years is not only be relentless and be that pit bull and, you know, courageous and uh, generous, but you've also really invested in yourself. And I think about your own personal development as being something that's been really exciting to watch as you continue to grow. But one thing you shared with me is a philosophy that's been important for you is slowing down to speed up. So could you talk to me a little bit about why that's important and what that really means? First of all, I can't believe that you stole my lines because I didn't know anybody else had that sentence, slow down to speed up. <laughs> I swear. Yeah, I don't know. Is it? Okay. Well, no, because I heard you say that on one of your podcasts about a week or two ago. And I said, where did I get my line? You know, I thought, you know, so uh, yeah. So but let's look at it this way, Tyler. We all really want the same thing. Um, right. We, we, uh, we wake up every day. We all start at zero, right? It doesn't matter whether you have a billion dollars or $10, you know, those for those of us who are entrepreneurs, we wake up at zero every day. And really, if you think about it, there's three steps. There's the step we're on, there's the step above us, and then there's the step below. Just, you know, think about that that's where we are. Now, if if you're the guy with $10, you're a college kid, and that's all you've got. You spend all your money on books. But guess what? If you start with $10, you, you only have to go up one more step. And that's, that's, Maybe it's reading a book. Maybe it's hanging out with you. Maybe it's listening to your podcast and and you know and leveraging all that. So what do we what do we all want? We all want cash flow, uh, but we also want life flow. We want health flow. We want joy flow. Uh, we want uh, happy wife flow or you know or important other partner flow. I mean, so you know, I look at the thumb as sort of like health. And with health, uh, you can have all the money in the world. You can have all the friends in the world. You can have your spiritual. Uh, there's all the other equities are all there. But what good is having a billion dollars if you're on a uh, on an island, you know, with with no with no friends, you know, hanging out with all your your billion dollars, and no friends, no spouse, no you know, no friendships, no God, like. Like, what good is that, right? So it's going to be tough. Yeah, there are people who that's, I guess, what they want. But um, so, you know, so having this mindset flow is saying, look, I'm, I'm really like, I'm 13.8 billion, 13.8 billion years in the making. There was a big bang. And, and then they're like, okay, finally, here I am today. You know, so, you know, so what am I going to do with this one precious day and this one precious hour? And so what I, I like to do is I like to sort of set what I would, I'm going I'm to use this for you. I, I set what I call Rolex goals. And where I'm going with this is that um, one day I said, look, if I can, if I can make some calls, get a listing and actually sell it all in the same day, then I'm just going to go buy a Rolex by the end of that day. Uh, so I started, so I started, you know, this sort of this campaign in my head, because I really didn't, I didn't have a Rolex at the time. <laughs> and I really wanted one, because I thought it would be cool. This is before Apple watches. Uh, so for months and months and months, I was making all the calls and, you know, and maybe I would get the listing, but I didn't sell it that same day. So, uh, so <clears throat> finally, 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 you know, I, I made all the calls 
And, you know, I just put all the things together that I had, got it sold one day. And guess what? There's the watch. Boom. There it is. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I, I, I wear the watch. Yeah. I, I still need an Apple watch because I think they're great, but uh, I still wear the watch. Oh, there you go. Yeah. But so the, the thing is, is, uh, you know, we, as, as, uh, as I'm going back to, do you really want another thousand units? Uh, do you really need another hundred million dollars in the bank? Or do you really just want to be grateful for what you have right now? And, and, and do you really want to just enjoy the moment that you're in with this other person that you're talking to right now? So it's like hour by hour, I say, look, I don't care whether I sell something really today or not so much, but will I have a positive, fun conversation with the person? Will I make a friend? Will I be a little bit closer uh, in a relationship that maybe they will say, hey, I like working with Ken. He's fun. He's got a smart team behind him. And I really do think that he's a good Boy Scout. Uh, so, and so I think the main thing that, uh, that's in, and it sort of goes back, I was, I forget what website I was on the other day, but it said, confirm humanity. And that's where you have to, you know, click that little box that says that you are a human being and not a computer. And, and, and I, it, it occurred to me that that's what we do all day long, every day, is that we confirm humanity because humanity is loving people, you know, loving, being grateful to God for, you know, for, you know, giving me this, this precious minute on earth that I have and, you know, just, just doing the best that I can. But boy, if you don't have, if you don't have a good relationship with, you know, all those equities there, then recap the equities again, if you don't mind. Okay. So I have health. Yeah. You've got, uh, I'm going to say your love, which is your spouse. I think that's, that's a big one. You've got your health, right? Okay. You have your God. Okay. And then for me also is learning over here. Uh, I'm a, I'm a constant learner and I'll just love your podcast. I love the brainstorming. I love look like when I read the wall street journal in the morning, which is sort of part of my morning habit. I mean, by the time 10 o'clock runs or comes around, I've already had a fantastic day. I've had some Starbucks coffee. I woke up and it's like, oh my gosh, I'm so grateful. Maybe I sit in a sauna. I go for a 30 minute walk and listen to a podcast. Uh, you know, I'm just fully, fully alive by 10 o'clock and it's already just an amazing day. So, you know, so, but look what I did is I, you know, uh, I had, I worked on my health a little bit. I went for a walk. Uh, I kissed my wife and I told her I loved her. Uh, and then, and then, you know, I, I'm, I'm learning something and plus, you know, I'm just, I'm doing all the things that, that add to the rest of my day all by 10 o'clock in the morning. Well, I and totally so, agree. And yeah. I think the philosophy of slow down to speed up is honestly the key in commercial real estate. Uh, because yes. it's not about, Hey, hounding someone and pounding them and, you know, just showing them how just insufferably relentless you are. I mean, certainly there's a time and place to be relentless and persistent and all those things, but it's a huge balance because this is a long-term relationship business. It's a long-term game. And I feel like, you know, we're not just talking about success in commercial real estate investing. We're talking about life fulfillment, enjoyment, right? Because that's why we do what we do. It's not just to create more cash flow; It's to create a life. That's right. And I probably got off track just a little bit with answering your question. But what you said is and it, there was a time when I had to do 30 contacts in a day. 
And I, I, I judge my day by like, okay, did I get that contact? You know, did I get an appointment? But slowing down to speed up is different. And so now it would be, you know, did I, uh, did I find out more about Tyler's twin children? Did I find out if his wife is okay? Did I find out where he likes to go on a vacation? Uh, and did we talk about that amazing pizza that we had in Cinque Terre uh, or, or that kind of thing? So, you know, when you're, when you find out that the other people are, you know, have so much in common with you that we, you know, we just love our people and we love going on these trips and we, and I love photography. So I want to know, like, you know, what are your hobbies? You know, like what book did you just read? And when you're, when you're slowing down and you're spending time in a relationship, that's gold, you know, and, and, but hopefully, and hopefully you have, you know, you, you probably know that this person owns 20 apartment communities and maybe their loan is coming up in six months. Sure. You know that. I mean, you know, we're, we're not, as Zig Ziglar would say, we're not uh, professional visitors, uh, you know? <laughs> yeah. And Oh yeah. I was, I actually, you mentioned Zig Ziglar. I want to, before we get to our rapid fire section of the podcast, I wanted you to tell the story about how you met Zig Ziglar and went to his house. Share with us that. And, and by the way, I'll just mention too, that obviously Ken, before we were before we were talking today, you were talking about your health coach. You were talking about, you know, the way that you're investing in your own longevity. And I just think about this commitment to personal development. That's also a key. I mean, that's slowing down to speed up. But tell me the story about uh, Zig and uh, meeting him and that opportunity. Yeah, well, uh, like, I'm just guessing anybody over 30 that's on this call probably has heard of Zig Ziglar. And uh, being that I just celebrated my birthday 61 just a couple of days ago, uh, thank you. Uh, so uh, I, I you know, grew up listening to his cassette tapes and reading his books, uh, See You at the Top. So they had a uh, conference, you know, one of those, you know, 10 speaker conferences in Louisville, Kentucky. And uh, so my buddy Chuck and I said, hey, let's go. We took our spouses with us, our wives. And uh, so we're there and we paid the extra. I think it was maybe $25 to get a better seat. And we also got to go behind the scenes after the, uh, the shindig was over and actually, you know, have a chance to meet him. And I guess we were going to buy his book and get him to autograph a book. And so you paid extra for that. So we go, you know, this, so the whole uh, conference is over. We go behind the scenes and there he is, you know, we, we get in line. And so, uh, you know, he, he signs the book and everything for us. And, you know, we're all just sort of hanging out and he says, Hey, by the way, he says, uh, I've decided I'm going to have a, I guess a little extra thing where I'm going to have some of you guys come and anybody would like to come visit my house in Dallas, Texas. Uh, I'm going to let you all do that. And so I was like the first person with my hand up. It's like, Oh, I, I really want to do that. And so it turns out that, uh, you know, that we, we, we flew to Dallas and I mean, I couldn't believe it. Here we are. We're at Zig Ziglar's home and, you know, there's this redheaded wife, you know, just like he described. And there's that swimming pool in the backyard shaped like an arrow. And, um, and it was just so fun to, you know, actually just ask him, you know, really personal questions. And uh, I even, you know, told him this story about how I had uh, found a penny and that the, the penny gave me this great message, which says, in God, we trust. And uh, yeah, and, uh, and you know, because uh, Zig is, you know, a very devout, uh, God-believing man. 
And he said, you've just given me an idea for a chapter in my next book. And so like, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so I told him about how I'd found this penny and, you know, decided, you know, to trust God and, you know, that that was going to be, uh, you know, a, a good thing for the rest of my life. And he was like, he gave me five minutes on that because, you know, he, he was into that. So it was just a fun experience to meet Zig and got my picture taken with him and all that. And uh, uh, so it was a lot of fun. How cool is that? Well, I just think about, you know, so many of the listeners and myself included, a lot of times we just think that certain things are out of reach, whether it's a relationship with someone like Zig Ziglar or, you know, the the life that he created or the impact that he created. And I, I would imagine you kind of being up close and immersed in personal, uh, you know, with him at his home, I'm sure that, you know, created inspiration for you to continue forward, to think bigger. And I just want to encourage the listener to touch your dreams. Um, you step into those relationships, be courageous, be generous and be a pit bull, man, because the pit bull, uh, doesn't tell Zig Ziglar that, you know, there was a message given to him, uh, from a penny. So I just think that's amazing. And, uh, Ken, this has been so much fun. I just want to, uh, I want to honor you. I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast. I want to transition into the rapid fire section of the podcast. We call it the rare air questionnaire. Uh, you've lived a life of rarity in many ways. You continue to do that. You continue to live a life uh, that's a bit uncommon in a great, great way. So I'd love to ask you a few questions. If I had to point to, or if you had to point to two or three of the most impactful books that you've read over the past few years, what would those be and why? Yeah. So uh, we discussed Think and Grow Rich, Napoleon Hill. The second book, which was Succeed and Grow Rich Through Persuasion, which was another take on Napoleon Hill with another writer. And then, uh, and then we talked about this yesterday, which is, uh, is that the one from Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. So, you know, it's it, the first two books give you an amazing amount of business sense, right? Uh, and just, you know, the, the content in there is hard to believe. But also uh, what happened as after I read, think, uh, excuse me, after I read um, How to Win Friends and Influence People by Dale Carnegie, then I also decided that I wanted to give back and actually became a uh, uh, an assistant for the Dale Carnegie course. So I actually took, took the Dale Carnegie course and, uh, and that exposed me also just to a whole nother level of helping other people. And, and that was a lot of fun. Uh, recently, I read uh, Atomic Habits and, and I think Atomic Habits is a, is a very good book because it says, here is who I am. Uh, I am a person who uh, uh, looks for the good in other people. I am a person who writes daily. I am a person who, you know, who loves other people and looking for the good in other people. And so, and that is the kind of thing where it just, you know, helps you want to other help other people. And as Zig Ziglar said, you can get everything out of life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. And so, you know, that's, and so then there, the last book would be See You at the Top, Zig Ziglar. Uh, can't beat all those fun stories in there. So good, man. We'll put yeah, links yeah. in the show notes as to where the listeners can find those classics. I mean, absolute classics. Classic. And uh, I love that you're continuing to learn today. You're continuing to replace your, you know, your, your beliefs with new information, new knowledge, and consider that, Hey, you know what? I'm humble and I do still have things to learn. I just love that. And, um, when I, when I think about, um, you know, continuing forward, I think about not only investing yourself, thinking about habits, but I'd actually be curious, uh, what's the biggest way that you elevate your life on a daily basis, Ken? Oh, great question. So 
when you think about, okay, and I'm gonna use uh, a recent thing that's going on, like, to, like right now, the Olympics are going on, right? Uh, so with the Olympics, you see the logo and you have all those circles, right? All those circles that are all intertwined. Uh, my life has always been about synergy because without my wife, without my, uh, my, without Brandon and Robert and the other people that helped me accomplish things, man, I would not be where I am. It, it's all about the synergy. And, and also, um, you and I are probably not going to win a gold medal in the Olympics. It's possible that you could, but not me today, uh, even though I'm a pretty good archer. Uh, so, but the thing is, is um, it's not about winning the gold medal. It's about being a person worthy of the gold medal. And what that means is that I, I just really want to be uh, that trustworthy person that's looking for the good in other people, and I'm consistently grateful all day long. I live in gratefulness, and I'm grateful for my health. I'm grateful for my spouse, my you know this loving marriage. I'm grateful that I'm a, an avid learner, and I'm just grateful for the people around me. So um, I, I'm just living a gold medal life, and uh, and every day is. You know, it's all about that synergy. It's all about the equities and uh, just being curious. I love, I'm the most curious person, and that's that's a that's a that's my superpower, along with being kind. You definitely are. It's funny when we were sitting down yesterday, um, my assumption was we would sit down and I get you prepped for the, the podcast today. But your your intention was, hey, tell me a little bit more about your story. You were asking me that. And so there was an innate sense of curiosity of learning more about me and deepening that relationship. And there's just I mean, man, we could have gone so many more ways for this podcast. And, and maybe we will at some point for part two. But I can definitely attest to your curiosity, your gratitude, the way that you show up and just that energy, that fun energy. So I just, I, I really do appreciate that. Uh, but you know, I tell you, there's a pattern, man. There's a pattern in the people who I admire most. And when I think about, hey, how are you elevating your life? A lot of them say they're grateful and they remind themselves because yeah. there's there's certainly times where we can get out of that. But if we create that as a habit, that is a life changer. But tell me, what's the biggest way that you elevate others around you, Ken? So, um, you know, I, I just have something where I just look at people and I'm just I'm trying to figure out, uh, you know, are they uh, are they really um, I don't know, there's like I would think I told you I was sitting in a restaurant and this young man was uh, filling up my water and we were in Sedona, Arizona. And I just I just had some kind of eye contact with this. Uh, he was a native Indian, long black hair. And, uh, and I said, Hey, so, uh, you know, what's going on? I said, uh, you know, like, are you in school? And, uh, and he was like, no, he said, I'm just doing this. He said, I'm just, you know, working, the, working this job to try to help my, my grandmother who raised me. And, oh man, I was like, that's, that's just huge. So I, I remember that I had a hundred dollar bill in my pocket and I said, here's, I said, uh, so what's your name? And I think it was Joey or something like that is what he called himself. So Joey, I said, I'm going to make you a deal. And I, I grabbed a card, my, one of my business cards. I said, here's a hundred dollars. And I said, I want you to do something. But I said, you got to promise me. I said, I want you to buy the book, Think and Grow Rich. And I want you to read it. And then I said, I think I see in you that you have the ability to like maybe be a real estate agent. And, you know, I think, I think that's where you're, you should consider. 
And I said, but if you don't read the book, I said, you have to mail me my hundred dollars back. And I said, but you know, <laughs> so he said, I'll do it. I'll do it. And uh, so, you know, so it was just the greatest feeling that I was able to give him a hundred dollars. It made me so joyous. And, uh, and he wrote down the name of the book and uh, you know, so helping, helping that one soul uh, is, is what I do. And I have done that kind of thing many, many times. That's just a story that most recently happened where, you know, I'll say, buy this book, do this, read this. And, and I just don't know a, a better way to live than to lift other people up. That's such a fun example. And I almost picture this guy reading this book and, and allowing himself to really expand. You know, you talked about that 1000 square foot foundation mindset to then yes. 10,000 or 100,000 square foot mindset. And, and the ripple effect that now he has the ability of offering in his own way. And I almost think of like that $100 bill. It's like, now he's going to do that somewhere else and think about how many other people are going to now do that. So that the reason, you know, it gets back to the heart of the question. It's like, how are you elevating other people? And the question goes to all the listeners, like, how are you elevating other people? Are you, you know, are you giving them a new idea? Are you planting a seed? Are you giving a hundred dollar bill? But you know, it's not just about giving a dollar or a hundred dollars. It's about teaching someone how to fish and how to gain new inspiration. Yeah. But Ken, that is so awesome. And uh, what a fun, fun conversation, Ken. Is there any parting thoughts or words of wisdom that you'd like to share with Elevate Nation today? You know, I would say that um, just think about just the idea that uh, we have this one remarkable life that we've been given. And uh, it's all about now. Uh, yesterday's dead. Tomorrow didn't exist. And, uh, and, you know, just to reach out to people on the phone or in person, email's great, texting is good. But, um, you know, like I just re recently just uh, reached out to my one of my aunts, uh, reached out to one of my best friends, uh, the, the, the lady that I told you about that uh, uh, had us picking dandelions, you know, I go visit her in a nursing home. And so, you know, to be, you know, so this, this one precious life that we have, if I was that person in a nursing home, wouldn't I want somebody to come visit me? So, you know, just the golden rule, do unto others as you want them to do unto you. Uh, you know, just try to just live that remarkable life that, uh, that, you know, that you have and you've been given. Don't, it's not always just about the next deal. It's about living right now. And uh, yeah, that's what it's all about. And I can tell you, just this time spending with you has been just, just such a blessing, Tyler. Um, I really am so proud of you and proud of the integrity and the, and the way that you're um, bringing in so many great speakers and getting the best out of people and sharing all this information that needs to be, uh, you know, needs, needs to be out there. So uh, I am just thrilled for you. And uh, just happy to be your friend. Well, thank you so much, Ken. You know what? You're tempting me uh, to make this a, a daily thing here because I need you to follow me around and pump me up. But uh, <laughs> thank you so much, Ken. This has been a lot of fun. And I know that there's been so much wisdom here, not only just from a tactical standpoint of how to invest in those long-term relationships and create opportunities that compound, you know, in the business, but also designing a life, designing a life of fulfillment yeah. and understanding that it's not just about business. It's not just about wealth. It's not just 
about, you know, cash flow or our personal brand or all these things, but there's so much more. And uh, your story has given us so many clues on that. So Ken, I just want to thank you so much. And I want to invite the listeners to reach out and learn more about Ken and his team at SylvestriRealEstate.com. We'll put a link in the show notes as to where the listeners can find that. But Ken, is there anywhere else where we should be pointing the listeners? I think that'll uh, that'll do it because that has our phone number and email and uh, a little information about us. So yeah, and uh, and a lot of people think just because I'm built like Sylvester Stallone that the spelling is S Y L, but it's actually S I L V E S T R I. There we <laughs> go. Your show notes, of course. <laughs> but uh, I just want to say it's been an exceptional uh, time spending with you, and so thank you very much, Tyler. Thanks again, Ken. We'll see you next time, my friend. Okay. Goodbye. Elevate Nation. What a fun conversation with the genuine, the nice and accomplished Ken Silvestri. I just want to encourage you, uh, if you have not done so already to jot down your top distinctions. What are the number one, two or three takeaways that you got from this episode? Whether it's tactical in terms of building your pipeline, your opportunities, the way you interact with brokers or the way that you're investing in deals, the way that you're slowing down to speed up, or maybe there's some tactics or tips that you have taken from this episode in terms of expanding the balance that you have in your life, whether it's from your health, uh, whether it's from, you know, investing in your own primary relationship, whether it's, you know, investing in your spirituality or uh, your religion. I mean, what is it that you got from this episode? Um, because I think there's so much there and I just appreciate the example that Ken has set in his life in terms of humility, but also being tenacious and towing the line of, you know what, going after it and doing whatever it takes to be persistent, but also slowing down. And I just think that there's such a huge clue there and there's such there's so many clues in the example in the life that Ken has set. So what are you learning from this today? Because it's unique for all of us. I want to encourage you to have a discussion with someone else, discuss this with a friend, share this episode with a friend, of course, but, but we really learn so much more when we have discourse. We also learn twice as much when we listen again. So I want to encourage you to listen to this episode again. And of course, ultimately the most important part is to make a plan to take massive action. So when you think about those takeaways and you think about those distinctions, it's only potential power. The real power comes into taking action. You may consider, hey, you know what, over the next 90 days, maybe over the next six months, or maybe it's by the next, you know, by the end of the month, I'm going to do X. I'm going to do Y. Uh, I'm going to research this or I'm going to accomplish this. And so these are things that we can do to allow a, you know, a time invested in a podcast like this to change our life. And so I want to encourage you to put something on the calendar, make a commitment, make a commitment to take massive action until next time. Elevate nation. Thank you so much for tuning in. We truly, truly appreciate it until next time. Elevate nation. Thank you so much. And we will see you then. Thank you for listening to elevate. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to rate review, subscribe, and pay it forward by sharing with a friend. Most importantly, take this opportunity to elevate your results by taking immediate action on what you learned. For more, visit elevatepod.com.